This episode is brought to you by Wise, the account that helps you manage your money all around the world. I lived overseas for many years, and one of the biggest bottlenecks to international living is money transfers. You want to withdraw money from an ATM to access funds from your American bank account, and you don't realize you're getting hit with a $10 charge every single time you do that. Yeah, that did happen to me. So if you're dining in dollars or want to do business in bot, what a Wise account does is let you send, spend, and receive money in different currencies. Wise is the easiest way to connect all of your finances internationally. This goes from a night out at a tapas bar in Spain to buying a property in the Yucatan. So if you're a digital nomad in Bali or want to send Send money back to mom, it's simple. And this is all without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. Wise works in over 160 countries, so your money's always at your fingertips. And over half of the transfers get their destination in less time than it takes to listen to this ad. Join 16 million customers and learn how a Wise account can work for you by downloading the app or visiting wise.com slash unplugged. That's wise.com slash unplugged. One more time, wise.com slash unplugged. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the History Unplugged podcast, the unscripted show that celebrates unsung heroes, myth busts historical lies, and rediscovers the forgotten stories that changed our world. I'm your host, Scott Rank. Hi, hey everyone. Welcome to an in between episode where I answer any question you can throw at me. Today's question is this Why was Louis, or Louis, such a popular name for French kings. Good question. There are a lot of Louis, aren't there? We know of the over-the-top decadence of Louis XIV, Louis XIV, who built Versailles. But think about that. He was king in the 18th century, and he was the 14th Louis. I live in the Midwest, and I'm close to St. Louis, as we call it, named after one of the Louis, not the 14th, but one who went on the Crusades. Why does that stick out so much? Digging this question, I had some help from Alexei Tereschenko, who writes on Quora, and he looked into this particular issue. What he came down to, and what I think is a reasonable assessment of the question, is that when you're a king and you choose a name for your son, and he's likely going to be king, you have to choose it well, and you want to choose something that will have a positive association and not a name that has a negative association or an unpleasant memory attached to it, something that people simply do not like. A similar kind of logic goes into popes, and popes have the benefit of choosing their own name and not having somebody else choose it for them. Consider Benedict, Benedict XVI, who was the pope before current Francis. He wanted to follow in the pattern of St. Benedict, who started the monastic movement in the 6th century. Or the current Pope, Francis, emulating many people, but among one of the famous Francis's, or Francis of Assisi, known for his poverty, his simplicity, and of his love of all creation. Now, as a Pope, what you probably don't want to do is choose the name Urban, the name of the Pope who launched the Crusades. Especially if you want to have interfaith outreach, that's not going to score you a lot of points when you're visiting Muslim countries. Well, the same logic goes with a king. That's why in England, there was only one John and only one Stephen, because King Stephen in the 1100s and John in the 1200s, who's infamous because of the Robin Hood myth, 
were total losers and brought terrible woes on their country. You're not going to see a John II or Stephen II as a king in England. So when you're an absolute monarch, even though people might think you're all-powerful, you still have to care about the opinions of your people. They don't like you enough that they can overthrow your house for the sake of another house. So you have to cultivate your kingly image as much as possible. Now let's look at the early kings named Louis. The first was Louis, who reigned from 481 to 511. He was also known as Clovis, considered the founding father of France, mostly because he converted to Christianity and conquered much of what is now France, and considered to be the founder of the Merovingian dynasty. But for three centuries, there were no more Louises or Clovises. But Charlemagne remembered that name in the 9th century when he called his son Louis. His son, Louis I, the Pious, who ruled from 814 to 840, was a weak ruler. While in theory he ruled the whole Frankish kingdom of his father, in reality, for most of his reign, there were civil wars among his sons. After his death, the Frankish kingdom was divided into three parts, at the Treaty of Verdun in 843. These are different parts of what is today modern-day France and Germany. The Western Franks, which became the French, why did they associate themselves with the name Louis? One idea is that they needed to assert their authority, and a great way to do that is tie yourself into an ancestor from centuries ago so you show that you have legitimacy to the throne and you're not just some kind of upstart. There were a number of West Frankish kings named Louis that were not remarkable, but they borrowed the currency of Clovis in order to be able to legitimize themselves. There was Louis II, the Stammerer, from 846 to 879. Don't know much about him. Louis III, 879 to 882, that's when he ruled and defeated Vikings and unfortunately died at the age of 19 when he fell from his horse. And just a few others because there's a lot of Louis that we have to go through. Louis IV from the overseas, he was brought up in England and died at the age of 33, also from a horse. Louis VI, the fat, from 1108 to 1137, a great warrior, a good politician, and considered too fat for any horse to carry. There was Louis VIII, the lion, from 1223 to 1226. And even before he became king, he conquered half of England and went away only when the Pope excommunicated him. And unfortunately, he died of dysentery. Louis the Saint, Louis the Ninth, from 1226 to 1270, was an actual saint and an arbiter of the whole of Europe. Now let's jump ahead to Louis XIV, from 1643 to 1715 when he reigned. He is the most famous Louis, and under his rule, France could sustain fighting with the whole of Europe and keep advancing eastwards. French culture comes to dominate a lot of Europe. French replaces Latin as a lingua franca. Louis XIV builds the Palace of Versailles, and for the next hundred years, every European ruler tries to copy him. Until, of course, the French Revolution, when it's not as popular for monarchs to flaunt their wealth. After him, you have Louis XV from 1715 to 1774. Louis XVI, who was the husband of Mary Antoinette and had his head cut off in the French Revolution. And on and on and on. So between 1613 and 1824, every French king was named Louis. But then Louis XVIII dies and is succeeded by Charles X. He was deposed six years later, and one might say, ooh, that's because he's not named Louis. So as you can see, what began as kind of a quirk of history of an upstart Western Frankish kingdom trying to legitimize itself by choosing an old ancestor and naming themselves after it 
turn into an unbreakable pattern where every French king is named Louis. So as you can see, practice doesn't make perfect, and the French kings definitely weren't perfect. Practice makes permanent. Well, if any of you would like to submit a question to me, you can do so by going to historyunpluggedpodcast.com. There you'll find instructions. I'll be happy to answer any question that you throw at me. Thanks for listening to the History Unplugged podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show to get your daily dose of all things history-related from ancient Greece to the Cold War. You can do that by going to historyonthenet.com forward slash subscribe. Speaking of History on the Net, if you want to dive deeper, go to our site historyonthenet.com and there you'll find blog posts, book reviews, and all of our other podcast episodes. Plus, don't forget to rate and review this podcast so we can bring you the best daily history content possible. We'll see you next time at the History Unplugged podcast. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Calitrin. Text the word UNPLUG to 30605 and I'll send you a link to a wonderful product that can help you finally succeed in shedding that extra weight. I took Calitrin for several weeks last year and I felt great in several ways. I felt stronger. My workouts felt easier. I slept better. I was noticeably trimmer. There was no downside. Text the word UNPLUG to 30605 right now to see this week's special offer on Calitrin. Calitrin contains collagen, the most abundant protein naturally occurring in the human body, which decreases as we age. Taking Calitrin promotes better sleep, more energy, less joint pain, and best of all, weight loss. Calitrin has an 86% success rate with their 90-day supply, and this week, take advantage of my special offer. Buy the 90-day supply and get an extra month free plus free shipping. Ordering is easy. Just text the word UNPLUGGED to 30605 and I'll send you a link to the special offer. Again, text UNPLUGGED to 30605.